Hi, I'm Alex Bellinger and this is Small Biz Pod on Wednesday the 22nd of October. Well, I hope you're all surviving the vicissitudes of the kind of global economic turmoil that's engulfed us all over the last few weeks. But this episode of the podcast focuses on starting up and many would say, me included, that starting a business in a recession or a downturn is not a bad idea. One such person who's actually started a business in a downturn and is also a bit of an expert on starting up is uh, one of Britain's leading online and print-based business publishers, David Lester from uh, Crimson, who uh, we talked to this week about starting a business. And also at the end of the episode, I've got a, a great book review, again, from a listener. We send books out, as you know, if you're interested in reviewing a book. Uh, all you've got to do is uh, review it. <laughs> Send me a three to four minute, four to five minute audio review, which is exactly what Simon Taylor of futu.co.uk has done. Simon's a photographer, but does a superb job of reviewing a book on uh, marketing tips for SMEs. So st- stay tuned for that at the end of the episode after the uh, interview with David Lester. Okay, but first of all, I wanted to say a really, really big thank you and a welcome to Alibaba.com. Alibaba.com is basically the world's largest business-to-business e-marketplace. And if you recall, it's actually an amazing entrepreneurial success story in its own right, set up by Jack Ma in Shanghai some 10 years ago. An incredible story and a very appropriate business, I think, to be sponsoring Small Biz Pod. So thanks ever so much. Okay, well, rather than doing a kind of traditional ad or plug for Alibaba.com, we thought it would be much more interesting if we can give a voice to some of their customers. So just in a short couple of minutes, here's Rory McLaughlin, who is a very interesting entrepreneur, Irish entrepreneur in his own right. My name is Rory McLaughlin. I'm the CEO of RPM Sports. Uh, we distribute Powerball around the world, and we're based in a small town of Thurles in County Tipperary in Ireland. The Powerball is basically a, a ball. It's a plastic sphere which has a, a perfectly balanced rotor, which acts on the, the principle of a gyroscope. With the ball held in your hand, you begin rotating your wrist, and as you do so, the inner rotor builds in speed. The faster that rotor spins, the more inertia it generates and the harder it is to do. And that's why Powerball has become such a a superb fitness and muscle-building product. But when we added the digital counter onto the top of the ball to measure the rotations of the rotor, uh, it became an absolutely, totally addictive uh, gadget. You know, we've we've had great success with Alibaba, so uh, perhaps some people will suggest we're biased in our in our opinions on it. But in in truth, we purchase a lot of search engine um, traffic. You know, we we do a lot of pay per click advertising, as as most uh, online businesses. Uh, I'm finding it to be less and less effective. But if we compare the spend we make on the search engine uh, model compared to what it costs us to to put our products on the Alibaba platform, uh, there is no comparison. I have to say it's, it's a tremendously cost-effective means for us to put our products out in a world audience. You know, most of the companies doing business in the web are SMEs and SMEs have huge advantages over large corporations in that they can make instant decisions. Uh, they're unencumbered by layers and layers of management. And Alibaba is wonderful because it gives you instant access to virtually every Asian manufacturer that exists for the products that you're looking for. But in so doing, they have gold supplier and trust pass models. So using trust pass 
gives us huge credibility instantly and for us as buyers literally from the moment we put our products up there we started receiving qualified leads not not dreamers in a sense that's a good thing about Alibaba most of the leads that come are qualified professional business leads uh, and not that any customer's lead is a time wasting lead it's not but it's a different caliber of lead that you'll get from Alibaba because it's a recognized B2B platform where people where buyers are coming on qualified buyers are coming on looking for products Okay, those were edited highlights. So if you want to hear the full interview with Rory, then head on over to the Alibaba.com website and I'll put a link in the show notes. Other than that, if you head over to SmallBizPod's homepage at smallbizpod.co.uk, click on one of the Alibaba.com banners there. You can access the site and register on the site for free and check out the huge range of suppliers that they have there, but also how you can get your product in front of a truly global audience. It is, after all, the world's biggest B2B e-commerce platform. Okay, well, that was the sponsor section. Do let me know what you think about that. I think the those little mini, mini couple of minute interviews are going to be interesting and, and worthwhile. So, yeah, let me know what you think. And now let's go into the meat of the show and talk to David Lester from Crimson Business. Okay, well, quite often on Small Biz Pod, I get feedback from listeners saying, uh, really enjoy the podcast, but um, quite like you to cover, cover some of the, the, the basic ground again, go back to some of the basic principles about how to start and run uh, your first small business. Well, with that in mind, I have on the line with me today an author of uh, a relatively new book launched uh, at the beginning of the year called Starting Your Own Business, The Good, The Bad and The Unexpected. And this author ought to know a thing or two about uh, starting and running a business, as he is also the founder of one of Britain's largest online and uh, business publishing houses, Crimson uh, Business. And he is David Lester. David, welcome to Small Biz Pod. Thank you, Alex. What inspired you to start this book, first of all, uh, to write this book? People say that there's, there's a book about all of us, and, and I don't know how true that is, but this is certainly a book I've been wanting to write for a long time. Um, I, I started my first business when I was 22, and I made all sorts of mistakes. In, in fact, it did very well. In the end, um, we went through some hard times, but um, there's a lot of learning that you do, and I think I was very disappointed with the quality of books that were on offer back then, and I think there there are still too many business books that aren't written by people who've done it, mm, um, yeah. and it takes a lot of work to, to write a book, so I can understand why, when you've done it and succeeded, you don't really want to sit through and write a book, <laughs> but, I, yeah. but I think there's a huge need for that. Yeah. Um, there's a lot that a book can tell people that a magazine article is just too short for. Well, you'll be pleased to know that I have actually read the book, unlike <laughs> some, <Wow. laughs> some interviewers. Uh, and I think what and I've read uh, uh, I've read quite a lot of, of books on starting a business over time. Um, yeah. One of the things that is good about it is that it it does cover every element, every basic element that you need to know in a very straightforward way, in straightforward language, but also with some nice practical um, tips and advice and some examples of mistakes you've made or, or, or from or, or you know For sure. from, from your own businesses and your own business over time. I guess there are some fundamental things that people, when they're sort of pre-startup phase, are thinking about, are, are excited about, and to a certain extent are worried about. How do you basically know? Can you know whether you're cut out to start and run your own business? How do you, how do you find that out? I, I think it's very hard indeed to know. And I, I think that you, you probably know you're excited about an idea, 
and that you, you like the sound of becoming a Richard Branson or, or even just running a little shop down the road. It, it doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. Uh, but you've probably seen some examples that you think look good. Um, it's very easy to see the good in other people. Um, in other people's lives and not the bad that the grass always looks greener mm, and I think mm. that what I would encourage you to do is to uh, anyone to do really is, is to do as much research as I can talk to people about the bad side the downsides because um, the good is usually um, great and, and enjoyable but it's, a, it's a, the, the things that might go wrong that could trip you up and, and mm. if you find that you end up being um, encountering some issues that you really hadn't encountered and you're not willing to deal with them, then that could really um, become a problem. Yeah. Um, once, once you're in, you don't want to uh, to lose it um, and to have things you're horribly wrong. Uh, much better to find that out in advance, if you can. Yeah. How much is personality, you know, the personality of the individual vital? There, there, is, there is definitely uh, a fair amount of personality in there. You, you've got to be confident. And that doesn't mean some of these apprentice-type characters who, who are um, arguably ridiculously confident. Mm. Uh, if you're too confident, then you won't listen to other people and, and, and things will go wrong that way. But you've got to be able to be certainly thick-skinned mm. and take some knocks because you, you, you will get some knocks. But you've also got to be a good listener. Um, but but you, you've got to have that confidence. I, I always used to say that you need to be naive and arrogant, and they're dangerous. <laughs> and I, I say that very carefully. Um, I'm both in spades, but I think you also need to, to be a good listener and to have that thick skin and say, okay, um, this isn't working quite right. I need to change something, um, uh, which which is sort of very much tempers qualifies that naive, naivety and arrogance. Yeah, because there's this, this at the moment I feel, uh, uh, and you you probably um, uh, a witness to the same kind of trend. Um, you get on the one side the kind of the work-life balance argument uh, for starting a business that yeah. oh, you'll be able to spend more time at home, you'll be able to manage your time, you'll be your own boss. So there's that kind, which I would put at the kind of perhaps slightly naive end of the spectrum. Yeah. And, and the, at the other end, you have the, uh, you have the ruthless backstabbing, backbiting, um, uh, humiliation of Dragon's Den and The Apprentice. So you've got these weird, with these weird extremes, I think, at the moment, which probably don't reflect the reality of the, the reality, if you like. They, they don't. I, I, think, I think most people who run a small business um, work harder than most people don't. Yeah. Um, I, I think lots of people say to me and said to me when I first started, so now you can take holidays whenever you want. Well, yes, of course you can, mm. but if you care about your business succeeding, then that's not going to work. If you want to run a shop or any service business, but as you say, right, I'm on holiday for a while, um, people will have to go elsewhere if they want that product or service while you're away. And if they go elsewhere then, they may not come back. So it's very dangerous to, to think that you can do other things. I think there are certain sorts of businesses where if you want a quieter life and a, and a more relaxed life, you can set yourself up for that, but you have to be very clear about that in advance and know what you're trying to do. Yeah. So when you've decided that you are, you think you've got what it takes, um, you've, you've done your research and you know um, what's likely to be involved, um, what kind of then are the basic decisions and steps that you need to make bef in order to get the point get to the point where you launch there's obviously lots yeah um, yeah i mean you, you know you've written you, a book you, and we've got yeah. 20 minutes but, uh, you know. there are i don't know to be um silly, silly there, but yeah i think you need to be really clear what you want out of it 
So are you trying to um, become a Richard Branson? Are you really trying to go for it? Or are you trying to just have a a, um, a bit of uh, money on the side? Are you trying to have some fun? My first business, I, I just wanted to um, um, get some games, computer games published with some mm. friends of mine. Mm. And we weren't trying to do very much more than that. Um, so we had very modest objectives, um, which we were able to meet fairly easily. Um, things changed after that. But I, I think know what you want out of it and therefore behave accordingly. Um, it's very easy to get carried away with, oh, well, you know, I think we'd all sell this, but if it did better, we could do even better. And maybe you then spend some more money trying to make it go better when actually that wasn't what you needed to do and that may take you off your chosen path. So be clear about what you want. Yeah. After that, I think you have to um, get your product ready um, or service ready. So make sure you, you review things, you, you, you test that with some potential customers. Ideally, people that, that don't know you too well so they can be brutally honest with you. Yeah. Um, it's often hard for friends to be brutally honest with each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, uh, so so that, that, that's one thing. Um, and you obviously have to choose a name. I think choosing a name and getting the, the branding right is very important and can make a big difference, particularly in the world of the, the uh, these days of the web, um, where names uh, can be searched for. Um, and then have to be spelt and so on. Um, uh, they're, they're some of the basic ones. Naming's an interesting, an interesting issue, particularly these days, and particularly with um, domain squatters and the like yeah, online. Quite. Is that why you get all these kind of weird Web 2.0 companies that drop the vowels from their names? There just aren't any names left. Yeah, I, I think there is a real danger. I, I, there are lots of um, names that have gone. And if you think about most businesses that get started, they tend to be local, um, yeah. either to a geographical area to a very small sector. And so you can have, um, I don't know, the Coaching Horses pub in lots of different towns, but there's only one, coachandhorses.co.uk or coachandhorses.com. So yeah. where you might have 50 or 100 of them in the country, there's only space for probably two or three online. And I think that's, um, that does compress things and make it more competitive um you will you really want to have a name if, if you're if the web will be important to you um that's short that's easy to spell um i've seen some you know websites on vans if they cross one of the um um a sort of a, an angle or a dent or a doorway you know often the web website becomes hard to read yeah. unless it's a very obvious word that can really destroy the point of putting it up there in the first place. Yeah. Um, if it's too long, it won't be easy to remember. There's all sorts of issues there which do make it hard, and, and, and therefore I think that is why you're seeing people, particularly people with, with uh, regional marketing budgets, come out with brand new words that might be memorable, easy to spell, and short. Mm, mm, and I think mm. we'll see more of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you, you've kind of you, you've kind of gone through those practical steps. I mean, there are some real nitty gritty things like you know deciding what com- company format um, you want for to, sure, to, absolutely, to run in. and that, that's that's it's it's boring. It's not one of the, one of the fun things to no. talk about, but it's very very important. Um, yeah. It does make a difference. Um, it's it's hard to give advice like that in a book. Other than I think the main thing is to try to equip you with the core pros and cons of each yeah. and, and then you, you need to think through what's right for you and your business yeah no, absolutely again one of the, uh, the, the 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 key things to consider and to try and work out and which people i think quite often find it to be a stumbling block um or, or the or perhaps one of the hardest elements um is work is actually working out whether the business is going to be viable is actually doing those cash flow projections um, and and looking at the money, you got quite a good section, I think, in this book on um, assessing whether your business is viable. 
uh, again, you know, this isn't going to be um, a full exposition, but what are, your, no. what are some of your tips? Yeah, it, it's absolutely critical, and it is remarkable to me how many businesses we come across that have ignored this step. Yeah. I think it, it, they just want to do it, they like the idea, they, they say, oh, well, somebody, somebody else is doing it, therefore it must work, let's go for it. Um, um, I won't name, name it now, but I've invested in the business that's basically done that, um, and it gets into real trouble. Mm, mm. Um, it, it, it's lethal and, and I think you really do need to understand what it will mean to be successful how will this business work um, if you don't you might run out of money you might go bust and, and either of those are, are just bleak they're unattractive on any way you look at them yeah. um, it's also one of the things that does set this book out we believe um, from the others um, because we've been there and done it um, there is there are certain techniques you can develop that, that are fairly easy to do mm. things like break-even analysis um, how many units or, or, or services will you need to um, sell in a week or a year or a month yeah. to make it work and um, you know how will you know if, if your business is progressing you need to be able to set objectives so okay maybe I want to sell five this week and or five in a day and then 10 in a, next month and, and 20 the month after that. Mm. Um, expect it to build, expect it to build more slowly, but know what will be successful. Um, it's really, really key to do that. And you have to understand some very basic arithmetic. You need to be comfortable with adding, subtracting, and multiplying, and, and, and percentages. Um, it isn't much more than that. So you, you don't need yeah. to be a mathematician, but you do need to be comfortable with the, 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 that basic arithmetic. Um, and obviously calculators and spreadsheets are there to help you do this um, very easily. Um, but it does matter. It does make a difference. Uh, and you, but you, you've really got to understand your costs. Um, mm, mm. And I think one of the things that, that shocked me and has done several times, actually, is when you presume that the costs and revenues that you see around are right. Um, so I think one of the examples I give in the book is um, with, with advertising. When we yeah. first launched a magazine, we expected that we would be given a certain percentage of, of uh, a certain number of pounds per page of advertising. Mm. In fact, most advertisers pay much less than that. Um, and that's true for most magazines. Um, and that made a big difference to us. Um, we yeah. lucked out because actually we ended up selling a lot more pages than we'd expected to, so we ended up doing better. Yeah. Um, but it was a very different model. And I think getting as much um, real research as you can before you start, so actually when you're doing your, your sums to say how many copies will I need to break even at, um, or how many uh, products will I need to sell, you actually know that the real numbers are involved. Yeah. Listeners of Small Business Pod are always um, particularly fascinated, as I am, um, in, in the kind of the entrepreneurial stories of the people that I'm interviewing, whether they're specialists in a particular area or not. Interestingly, the first dot-com bust, as it were, happened not long after you launched. It did, yeah. And then you grew the business. Is it easy to grow a business in a, in a, in a downturn, which is kind of where perhaps some listeners may be now? I, th I think it's, it's a really important question. We, we, we started um, Crimson in February 1999, and that was the opposite. That was the height of a boom, yeah. and uh, it was extremely difficult. We, we had to pay through the nose for staff, for office space, for recruitment fees, for advertising, because everybody was basically full. Um, yeah. and, and there were there were no spare people around. There were no spare offices around. Uh, there was so much competition for buying things, particularly with the dot com growth in in, in exposure in, in in small companies, that we were competing and having to pay top dollar for everything, and that that pushes your costs up, which is the the worst possible thing for a small small mm. startup. 
Mm. Um, we were well funded, so that was fine, but it was it put us at a disadvantage. Um, when the dot-com bubble burst, we ended up being much better off. Um, in fact, we, we suffered in, in terms of um, advertising revenue fell for a while. Yeah. But, but it is so much easier for people to start in a recession because there are lots of people who say, well, actually, uh, I'm not taking mu- that much of a risk by coming to work for you or with you because I'm idle otherwise. I, I haven't got a job. So mm. coming to work for a startup is better than no business at all. Mm. So that, that, that they're much more willing to take a risk on you without requiring you to pay big signing-on fees or, or yeah big salaries. That's a huge thing. Similarly, the office space. Um, you can often get short-term office space in a recession because somebody's happy to have it full for a little while rather than waiting for a big long-term tenant. Mm. So it's much easier to do that. Um, I also think that, that it's easier for marketing. That there's less big um, money being spent by the majors, which means that um, all the media, whether it's online or magazines or TV or radio, are more happy to take uh, money from smaller businesses, and you can put you you can drive a much harder bargain. Mm, um, mm. If you think about buying houses today, if you buy aggressively, um, you can probably still make money in that sort of market. But you do have to buy well, and you have to yeah. um, be aware of the situation, and, and just keep your wits about you, and and conserve cash and, and cost as much as you can. But hard. Uh, 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 sorry, there's one other piece yeah. I wanted to mention there. Mm. You often find a lot of people getting made redundant and having small or medium-sized, even large, checks given to them when they get made redundant. Mm. And that often can be a really good starting point to launch your business. So we um, could be in for a, we could be in for a, a, a sudden uh, or a further burst of entrepreneurial activity in the UK in coming I, I, years. I, 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 th- I think we certainly could, and I'm rather hoping we will, because yeah. I think that there are still lots of great opportunities there for people. Uh, the general trend in our world will be for the the middle tier of companies to shrink a little bit. Mm. They're very big guys to keep gobbling each other up and in globalization get bigger and bigger. And I think that will leave lots of opportunities that are too small for the big guys to worry about um, for new entrepreneurs to come up and, and, and deliver excellence in that space. Yeah. Um, you've then got the whole technological change and the, the, the change with um, the growth of, of China and India and, and mm. Brazil and, the, and, and, and even um, Eastern Europe, um, which are creating lots of opportunities for new businesses to, to spring up. Um, and I, th- I think it's an exciting time to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, no, absolutely. But credit crunch, isn't it going to make it a lot harder for people to find startup capital? I mean, your, 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 your first publishing business, Crimson, was kind of rolled, out, rolled off the back of your successful games business, so you had the money there. Yes. Yes, um, Crimson was funded by by the profits I made from the the computer games business, and that, yeah. that was yeah, that's easy. Um, I think actually having little money. Uh, I started Crimson with two million pounds. I started my previous business with with, with ten thousand um, pounds, and I think it's a better discipline to start with less money. Yeah. Um, you clearly need to have enough or know that you can get enough, um, but and, and there will be more problems trying to raise certain sorts of debt, for example, tomorrow than yesterday. Mm, it mm. will be harder to convince people to give you a loan or an overdraft in today's climate. That doesn't mean you can't do it, but, but you should expect to, it'll probably take longer and you may need to jump through more hoops for your bank to get there. Yeah. On the other hand, things like factoring and invoice discounting uh, and leasing, um, but particularly factoring and invoice discounting, do exist and they're very, very um, good if you have the right sort of business mm. um, and they will still be around because they're quite secure for lenders 
Um, and I, I think that the right business, if, you, if you've got a good business that should be viable, um, you will be able to get it funded. Yeah. Okay. Now, finally, I mean, the, just, just again touching on your own experience, the publishing industry uh, has changed enormously over the last decade and the web has been part of that. And of course, you've been part of the web significantly within your business too. Isn't traditional publishing's business model a bit broken at the moment? Yeah, I, th I think if you look at magazine publishing or book publishing, um, both of those sectors are in turmoil at the moment, really. Mm. I think that's not really an exaggeration, that there is um, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of fear about what the future holds. Um, typically, both of those industries have been slow to embrace the electronic forms of publishing that are, that are coming up. Um, and that was one of the reasons I, I went straight in, because mm. I felt that my computer games publishing knowledge would, would be very useful, and I think that's proved the case. Yeah, But I think... We, we we bought three um, small book publishers in the last year, and we've done that knowingly because there, there remains an opportunity to make money um, in old media. Mm. Um, you have to be careful about it, but the models you do need to to, to look at carefully. Um, I think to ignore electronic publishing would be would be daft. Mm. On the other hand, I think that people will still be buying magazines and books in ten and twenty years' time. They may be buying fewer. And they may be buying different sorts of things. So um, I can't imagine reading a novel um, on one of these e-readers like <laughs> Amazon have, have recently launched no, on the beach. I just no. I don't think people want to do that today. And maybe several generations' time, the world will have changed. Yeah. But in the next two decades, I don't see that happening. However, I think even things like Vogue or, or GQ, I think, are much better products in paper than they are in, in online. Yeah. On the other hand, I think uh, a magazine we had called What Laptop. Um, which is a very good magazine, or startups, you could say, um, mm. I think could do such a uh, so much better of a job online, mm. um, and is easier for, for people to find and access. I think both of those will um, are very unlikely to be um, print magazines in ten years' time. Mm. Mm. Now, many listeners are interested in developing their own businesses on the web. What have you learned finally about how to run a successful? Uh, operational part of a business um, online these days and how has it changed? I, I, I think it's very competitive. It used to be that if you were just there you, you could pick up something. Um, it's very competitive and um, you will need to focus on it. You'll need to, to work at it. Don't just put up a website and say, oh, we'll watch the money coming in because a little bit probably will but a lot almost certainly won't. I think the, the search engines and particularly Google are extremely powerful and dominant and you really do need to get to understand how they work and how to make sure your site ranks well with them. Mm -hmm. um, you need to understand various ways of building business. It could be affiliate marketing, it could be newsletters, it could be pay-per-click advertising, it could be search engine optimization, it could be all sorts of things, but you will need to work at that and then make sure that your site delivers. Your site should be simple and easy to use. It always amazed me that the, the most popular sites, whether you look at the BBC or Google or Yahoo in the old days, mm. uh, eBay, are some of the simplest looking sites. They look very plain and boring, yeah. in, in yeah. fact. Um, and I think that's not uh, a coincidence. Um, there's a lot of science with website design these days, and, and you, you, you don't need to um, spend lots of money on this, but if you look at the very big popular sites in your area and, and, and try and understand why they're doing some of what they're doing and apply those principles to your own site, you should do well. David Lester, thanks ever so much for your time. My pleasure.
So there you are. Uh, an interesting interview there with David and uh, hope for us all. Anyone out there thinking about starting a business? Anyone out there just been made redundant with a large check in your pocket? Now's the time to go and uh, set up that business that you've always wanted to. Anyway, uh, just before I introduce Simon Taylor's uh, book review, uh, I just wanted to say a big thank you to all of the people, all of you out there, all of you listeners who have joined the Small Biz Pod Facebook group. Uh, nearly 900, and just over 900, I think, uh, now joined the Facebook group. So it'd be really great to see you there if you haven't joined already. Um, just check out the uh, homepage to of Small Biz Pod at smallbizpod.co.uk. Uh, click on the Facebook link and uh, join if you've not already. Uh, it'd be cool to see you there. And I think I might do some kind of uh, surprise for somebody when we hit a thousand. But now let me introduce Simon Taylor, who's uh, a listener who agreed to review a book. And the book he's reviewing is 101 Ways to Market Your Business by Andrew Griffiths. Okay, thanks, Alex. And um, thanks for sending me this book, 101 Ways to Market Your Business. My name's Simon Taylor. I, I work in product marketing for an electronic components business uh, full-time. And uh, my weekends I spend doing a lot of photography, semi-professionally, weddings, events, that sort of thing. So... Much of this rings true. It's something I've really been doing for, well, getting on 20 years, I guess, one way or another. And I think marketing's something that affects all of us, whether we're, whether we're genuine marketeers or we're just salespeople. So th this book struck me first of all because I was a bit fearful when uh, I agreed for you to send me a book to review that uh, I'd get something a bit random and I'd get uh, one of these heavy MBA-type business books. And this is um, definitely not one of those. It's one that you can flick through, just open up, and and read. You know what's what at most is uh, a page and a half normally uh, of, of just what boil down to common sense tips. I think a lot of the things that you get in business that, that people say to you, you go, well, yeah, okay, I knew that. It was pretty obvious, but we all need reminding and, and resetting from time to time. So so this is good. There's, um, how many sections? 13, actually 14 sections, um, just on different things. So section one, we've got getting started. Section two, does your business stand out from the crowd and so on. Each one's got a number of, of tips. Uh, one that I like, turn your invoice into a sales tool. So many companies just have very dull invoices and they're just paper bills almost off this fanfold paper of, of 20 years ago uh, and and you can put the latest product message on there or some other message or a special offer and so on and so on so yeah and, and there's just common sense thing. i'll just flip open a random here we go this one uh how to always be under your customers noses so message pads Things like that. So, yeah, simple giveaways. Uh, one of the ones I've used very successfully in the past is, is coffee mugs. And, uh, you know, they're good. They, they stay on people's desks. They tend to appreciate them. Unlike message pads, they don't actually run out. So, that's, I think that's quite a good giveaway. Um, so, a very refreshing, uncomplicated book for someone like me who uh, I have something I call the Taylor Test. If I get, uh, if I pick something up and uh, and I'm bored. It's normally 40 minutes it will take for me to get bored. Well, this this passed that test. I got past 40 minutes, so that's good. Um, 
one of the things I looked at it and thought a bit strange on the face of it was um, it's called 101 Ways to Market Your Business. And on the front cover, it says plus 20 bonus tips. I thought, well, that's a bit strange because it's in the book. It's not a bonus tip. It's not because I've bought the book. I've then got some extra freebie. And of course, that's one of the clever marketing ploys, isn't it? You look at it and you think, well, it's 101 ways to market your business. It's, um, I don't know how much the book is, actually. It's not, um, it's not printed on the book. But let's say it's £10. And then you look at it and think, oh, well, I'm getting 20 bonus tips. So that's less than 10 pence each. So that's a good a good tip there. So, um, I don't know, the summary of the book, I guess um, I'd give it uh, four out of five if we were giving it stars, something like that. If, if you don't like complicated business books, and let's face it, most of us probably don't, this is absolutely ideal. It's just nice and straightforward, sort of thing you can actually take on holiday if you want to uh, take this sort of stuff on holiday. And um, very easy read, just flick open and, and pick stuff randomly. So, yeah, I like it. One of the better business books I've, I've had. Thanks, Alex. That's 101 Ways to Market Your Business by Andrew Griffiths. Thanks very much. That's really cool. Thanks, Simon. Great review, actually. Made to me. I, I think I gave you that book without actually reading it myself. I might, I might ask for it back, cheekily. No, only kidding. Uh, no, that was, that's cool. That's cool. Good review. Uh, so, yeah, um, if you want to review a book, uh, lots of people have uh, put their put their proverbial hand up, emailed me, and I've sent them books. But there are still some available and some coming in. So if you'd like to review, just drop me an email, alex at smallbizpod.co.uk. So, uh, Simon Taylor, by the way, you can find him at futo, or futu, uh, p-h-o-o-t-o dot co.uk. So there we are. Final, final part of the show is this week's music and I have to say this is a piece of kind of hip-hop by some phenomenal artists um, Dan the Automator, Kid Koala, two of my absolute favourites and Del the Funky Homo Sapiens. Check this out. It's a track called Mastermind uh, from an album called Deltron. Oh and thanks to Iota Promonet for letting us play it. Producing the blueprints, clueless automator, defy the laws of nature, electronic monolith, throw a jam upon the disc, the futuristic looping with the quickness, hyper producing, hydrogen fusion liquids, keep your distance.
planet. The combo so slamming, atomically reconstruct the whole canvas. His logic impressed, a hypnotic effect. Yeah, Latin patent, you could call it a gift. Manny all in the mix, nuclear physicist. Genetically tailored every bit of this stimulus. Today the walls of the cities will crumble away, uncovering our naked souls. All start singing, shouting. Psionically, bionically, forget how you feel Especially formulated, the rest of you fornicated It takes more to make this He juggles variables, unparalleled propulsion To carry the love, neurosurgeon The purest virgin, conducting currents Musical Merlin, he shine like Sterling Watch Automator draw a laser Of a higher intensity and instantly Miss a beat, create a symphony Who's that? Planet Earth, and he's gonna stop the war of the world. Now, how would he do that? Pete, Deltron Zero is here as well to click together for real. That's pretty good, man. Yeah, he told y'all Eva do as he is truly gifted in the matters of rhythm. Yeah, I'll give him that. Yeah, you gotta give him that. With his infinite wisdom, you know you gotta get with him. How's that? How's that? How'd I do? Was good job. Was All is really? well with the cosmos. Yes, yes, I got the word. Oh, 30, 30, 30, yeah, yeah, man.